Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. So please take a moment and email us at mystory at cowboyjunctionchurch.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We love you, love you, love you, love you. Everybody tell him you love him. We love you. We don't tell you enough how much we love you. Today, Heavenly Father, I pray we would open our ears to hear. This is the last message and the three-part message we've been in, and it's just been good for our soul. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. We love you, Jesus. Amen. This last couple of weeks have been an interesting week because we've been discussing this little pamphlet up here. Religious preference, fill in the blank. The first week I just kind of did an introductory message to kind of prepare the hearts of the church for doing some things that we don't normally do. Like for instance, one of them being, let's just close our Bible for the next couple of weeks. That made a lot of people nervous. It was very strategic because if you look at, at what we do around here, we have specifically picked out five types of people that we're trying to reach. Okay? You may never have been a part of a church that was so strategic in the types of people they were looking to reach, but the, we, what we found was is if we tried to reach everybody and had the broad spectrum, we just want to reach everybody. We really reach nobody. Okay? But when we focus on young families, the lost, okay, the wounded, Okay, when, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's two others. My, can anybody remember? They're really good. Uh, when three of the five are targets from the series we're in. The people that, that just have given up on God. Now, the reason why it's so important that people in this room who have not given up on God listen to this is because you can be so into your walk with the Lord, you forget on what it took to get you to where you're at today. And we end up giving up. We end up giving up on the lost. That should never happen because no one gave up on you. Okay? So the reason we talk about this is so important, even to the point of we were willing to shut our Bibles to have a conversation. Now, for everybody who sent me an email or shot me a text, I appreciate your information, but you just got to understand, we're not doing this for people who know God. We're having a conversation for people who don't know God. And some of the things that we talked about for the last couple of weeks is, is the first thought is, is that if you walk away from your faith, if you have walked away from your faith, and if you are someone who filled out religious preference, none, okay? I, I don't have a religious preference. I mean, I grew up in church. I, I know in, you know, I, I've heard about God, but I just don't have a religious preference. One of the first things that crossed, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you think because you don't believe in God, the only option you have is atheism, okay? We covered that a couple weeks ago and talked about how that's not what you think it is. And just because you're struggling with the idea of God, it doesn't make you an atheist. Because when you remove God out of the equation, what ends up happening is things that you don't even believe, Forget God, you don't want to be treated like biology. 
you, you don't want the idea that you don't have ideas and thoughts, that you're just a process of chemical balance taking place to create an unction that is not a thought, but it's a part of a big bang surf wave you've been riding, and, and, and you don't feel that way. You're more than that. And so we covered that a couple weeks ago, that atheism is, is more than disbelief in God. But we also covered the issue that, that once we walk away from atheism and we still struggle, we still struggle with our faith, we come to the part to where maybe the God of our childhood didn't grow up with us. Meaning, when I was young and I, I met Jesus, the Sunday school Jesus, and I was taught about Jesus and I grew, grew up, Jesus didn't get older with me. He didn't go through college. Jesus didn't fit in college. Didn't Jesus, the Jesus of my childhood didn't fit into my marriage. The Jesus of my childhood didn't fit into adulthood. And now I don't know what I believe. Because the God of my childhood didn't grow up with me. We, we've talked about that too. Well, today is going to wrap up this, this message. And it's something that I couldn't wait to get to. Because if we're going to ask about whether we believe or not, the one question that should and must come up is if we're going to believe in God, what is God like? Okay? Today... I'm going to have you do something. Got, <coughs> Fabian, will you help me? Will you, thanks, buddy. Um, I want you to open your Bible. How about that? Two weeks without it. It's time to, we're going to open our Bible, and we're going to go to John chapter 4, verse 24. Now, it's important for everyone to go back and study this during your time, and I want you to look at the conversation between a woman who didn't even know if God knew she existed. She was referred to as the woman at the well, okay? And she has a checkered past, she has a checkered life, and yet Jesus meets her in the middle of the day when she can get water, and she is surprised that God is walking into her world, okay? And she begins to talk to Jesus about some of the issues that she has with God, some of the things that she struggles with, some of the things that, that bother her. Give me, give me a second. Let me, let me get a swig of water here. I got an almond in my throat. Oh, Fabian, thank you. Ma'am. Jesus has this conversation with her and begins to talk about the Gentiles. The Gentiles who feel completely separated from God, but Jesus then turns and says, but there is a time that is coming and it's already among us when you don't have to be in Jerusalem or you don't even have to be over in certain spots. Wherever you go, that God is with you. God is with his people. She couldn't even fathom it. Okay. Then he turns and makes this statement about the Jews and then knowing God, but they're fixing to really know, not the law, but they're going to know the heart of their Father in heaven. And then Jesus makes this statement in verse 24. I think you've all got to pay attention. And Jesus says this, God is, stop. To answer our question, what is God like? Jesus turns and he says, God is spirit. And that seems so vague, but it's so important. God is spirit. And what's interesting about it is, for everybody in the room, that you struggle with your faith 
Because you want a God that you can touch and you can see and you can feel. All those things are all things every person in this room wants. But when Jesus says, God is spirit, it's something you have to pay attention to because if God is spirit, Jesus is fixing to turn to you and give you two things that you are and two things that you need. He says, God is spirit and those who worship him, worship is the identification of our relationship with God. It's the priority of making him number one. Everything else falls into place after we get the worship of God as the main thing is the main thing. The worship of God brings balance into our life. And he says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. And the first thing we see here is that God is spirit, and why is that so important? Because there's an element of you that is spirit too. But it's that one area that if you struggle with the touchable of God, the feelable, I've got to put my hands in his hands. I've got to put my hands in his sight. I've got to see it for, my faith, for myself. I want faith-based answers no more. I want fact questions with fact answers you're going to miss one of the greatest things that makes God, God, and you a creation of God, is if we can't recognize that the spirit of the living God is important for every one of us to know he's at work in our life. And the funny thing is, is that you are most unaware of the things that are most present in your life right now. You are most unaware of the things that are, you are most unaware of the things that are most present in your life right now. Like when you walked into this room, did anybody turn and go, dang, gravity has got it going on today. I mean, I'm on the scale and it must have let up a little for me because I am three pounds lighter. Go gravity. Did anybody do that? No, you, you don't do that. Because you are most unaware of the things that are most active in your life right now. And for you to see what God is doing, what Jesus is saying, he says, God is spirit, and you are too. And you've got to open yourself up to the things that are so aware and present in your life right now, but you aren't willing to stop and see Something that's working that you have no control over right now. God is spirit. And you are too. And then he turns and he says, but he's not just spirit. He's also truth. And you're going to learn how to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, we're going to do something today. These are the only two things I'm talking about. God is spirit. And at the end, we're going to talk about what is truth that he's talking about here. But I, I kept going through Scripture, and Jesus was so good about these little three-phase moments. God is spirit, and then he says this. God is love. Excuse me. God is Father. God is Father. Remember when he turned to us and he asked us to learn how to pray? And he says, when you pray, pray like this. My Father. You remember that part? It's, it's, it's the most crucial part of the whole prayer. 
It's the beginning, it's the introduction, it's how you view him. And if God is spirit, one of the things that Jesus turns and says, he's also father. Louis Giglio said this once. He said, knowing God as father is not the reflection of your relationship with your earthly father. But knowing God as father is actually knowing the perfection of what a father is. So however you view your father, this is not the view of our father in heaven. But to see God as father is this moment that we recognize it's the perfection of what a father should be. It's this moment of realizing that not only is God spirit, and it's something that is happening all around you without you even being aware of what he's doing, but he's also the perfection of fatherhood in that God is a father. And however you view those two things could be how you handle it with such a heart issue. How does your heart handle God being spirit and God being a father? Because many times our hearts are so wounded, it's difficult for us to allow God the spirit to come and be God and God our father to come be the perfection of what a father should be in our life. Now, there's a reason I'm going here. Keep going with me. When you ask the question, who is God? There's one more thing that Scripture tells us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, John says something very important. But to understand it, you've got to understand the backstory. Okay, This is John who has gone through horrible times. This is John who has seen all the disciples killed in some form or fashion. He has been hunted. He has been abused. They finally have killed everyone, and they now just have John left. And they turn to John, and they say, listen, if we kill you, we're really going to make everybody mad. So, John, we're going to keep you alive. We're going to throw you on the island of Patmos. But John is able to see all the heartbreak, all the pain, and if you turned to John and said, what, was it worth it, John? Was it worth it? All that you've been through, was it worth it? This is John's moment to turn and go, if I had it all to do over again, I would not follow Jesus, period. This is John's moment to go, for anybody that comes after me, the moment you meet a Christian, run, <laughs> period. This is John's moment to let it rip, this is John's moment, and John turns, and these could be some of his last words. We know that he wrote a little bit more, but this could be some of his last words. He who does not love does not know God. For God, your Father, God, who is spirit, God is love. And it's this really cool moment that we stop and we pause at a man who, when we read this maybe for the first time, don't understand how deep it is that he has seen so much heartbreak from believing. And yet, if you ever lose your love for people, you don't know God. And you've walked away at some point, some place. You stepped a little further away from God and, and, and let something get between you and a love for somebody. You may not have to trust people, but, but if love's ever left, you took a step away from God. Why is this? Because God is 
love. And I've seen it for myself, he's saying. I've experienced it. But what about the way people treated you? No, no, no. I don't ever think about that stuff. Because the thing is, is that the closer I got to God, the more he told me how to, and showed me how to love people. Yeah, but what about them shipwrecking you, putting you on an island to where you're all by yourself, they've just forgotten you and hope you die? I mean, there's no one to love. You're by yourself. And I think about them all the time, how much I love the people who, tr- who tragically did things to me. For God is love. And if you don't have love, you don't have God. Man, John. Dang. So this is the beginning. How do you see God? God the Spirit, God the Father, and God that's love. Because the thing is, is that until this becomes a heart thing, a heart thing, this isn't even going to become real. Okay. Okay. So when Jesus turns and says, God is spirit. And those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. What about the truth part? One of the fun things I've done in this series is kind of quote atheists. And today I'm going to quote Thomas Nagel. Thomas Nagel wrote a book called The Last Word. And in it, he's writing, and I found what he wrote so fascinating. Thomas Nagel wrote this about his view on why he is an atheist. He writes, I want atheism to be true. I want atheism to be true. And made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and some of the most well-informed people I know are religious believers. So he's saying this, I want atheism to be true, and I cannot figure out why people who are educated and people who are well-informed have a religious view and have a, are religious believers. I don't get it, and I really am excited that I don't believe. I just want atheism to be true. But what he says next, I want you to pay attention to very closely. He says this, it isn't just that I don't believe in God. That's not, that's not enough. I really believe there's not a God, but that's not the extent. It's just that I don't believe that God, it, it, it isn't that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my beliefs. It's that I hope that there is not a God. I don't want the universe to work like that. Okay, the reason why this is so important to take a look at is because Thomas Nagel is identifying something that many people struggle with. And it's the struggle of there's one thing to believe that there isn't a God. But what if we're talking about someone who would openly say, I hope there's not a God because I don't like a world where I know that there's a God who wants to direct the way I live my life. Because I want to live my life however I want to live my life. Okay? Now, I'm not putting words in his mouth. Nagel said this. And to a point, let me just tell you, I know exactly what he means. I, I would really like, in a lot of the selfish areas of my life, for there not to be a God 
So I could do whatever it is I wanted to do. Come on. And I'm the pastor. Here's what this does. Now, all of a sudden, one of the issues that you struggle with with being a Christian are the issues that you have is, I don't know what to do with the dinosaurs. I do not know what to do with all the dinosaurs. Okay. Well, that's cool. I get that. Maybe your issue with following God is, I don't like all the Christians. I mean, have you met a Christian? Love, bull, crud. I mean, if you ever meet a Christian, that's one reason why you should not be a Christian. I mean, that could be your view. Church. Have you ever been to church? I mean, is it an institution? Is it a 501c3? Are they, what are they doing? With, who are they? My gosh. And you see, there's a lot of issues of why people don't like God. Maybe it could be something like, I'm not getting the answers to the questions that I have. We've talked about all this all throughout the last couple of weeks. But what if, what if we really got down to it? That all of those things are just byproducts of I really hope there's not a God. Because that means I'm living my life completely opposite of there actually being a God. Okay, hang on. What I don't want, I mean, we could do some amening right now. But I don't want anybody to feel bad right now. And I don't want anybody to hear a bunch of Christians amening when there may be some things in our life, too, that we can have some secret sins and really allow God in every area except for this one little area. Does that make sense? See, maybe the reason why we don't believe is because faith is such an inconvenience for us. Come on, think about what we're saying. It's easier for me not to believe in God because faith is just going to mess up what I got going on. That's how a lot of people view God. But you know what? When we finally acknowledge that we might actually see that God is real, what do we do then? Here's what I notice a lot. You've got to pay attention to this. You can have every excuse in the world of why God's not real. But you will never get the answers to the questions you have. The answers that I believe with all of my heart are out there. Answers that I believe because I know that God is spirit, he is father, and he is love. And he doesn't live, leave his children hanging. You aren't going to spend the rest of your life sitting out there on an edge thinking you're the only person in the world with these issues. God's got the answers. But you can never get the answers you're looking for if we keep saying there's not a God and down deep in our heart we know I don't believe in God because it's an inconvenience for me to have faith. When you stop long enough and realize that's not atheism and that's not a nun, that's just stubbornness. And I remind you, I could care less about the church right now. And I could care less about the pastor. Stubbornness is an issue that you don't want between you and God. And is it really the issue? 
I believe that our Father loves you to show us where to go and what to do. And God works on the heart because he is spirit, he is Father, he is love. But sometimes you've got to stop and think long enough. It could just be stubbornness that keeps you from getting what God wants you to have. See, I wrote down that maybe, 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 if, if it's the fact that God is just an inconvenience for us, could it be that the reason that you don't want God in your life could be, number one, because if there is a God, I'm guilty. If there actually is a God, I am screwed. And it, it makes you stop. And if that's the case, do you realize you're not in trouble? Because he could be speaking on your heart right now because he is spirit. And he's not the father that you've known. He's the father of perfection that puts his arm around you and loves you no matter where you're at. And then speaks about the love that he has for you because if you know he loves you, then you'll trust him. And if you trust him, then faith is right around the corner. But it all revolves around you won't do anything until you first know that he's your father who loves you. Maybe you're just not willing to recognize that there's a God, not because of dinosaurs, and not because of church doctrinal issues, but maybe because if there really is a God, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Okay, here's another one. What if, what if the real issue is this? If there is a God, I'm accountable for what I've done. Because here's the deal. If there's not a God, I'm just going to live however I want, do whatever I want, go wherever I want. What if there is? And now all of a sudden, it's this issue that now you have to go back to what you did, and life's so much easier if there's just not a God and I just do it however I want to do it. Where's that going to get you when it's all over? Because a loving God isn't slapping you in the back of the head. The loving God is at home saying, would you just come back home and we are going to work this out. We are going to work this out and you are not alone and this is not as big an issue as you think it is. We're going to get through this. I'm the one who created you. I know you better than you know yourself. Just come home I'm your father, I love you, and I want to talk to you about it. There is a God. There's some things that we need to make right. And in the third one, if there's a God, I've been wrong. It's not that you're an atheist. It's not that you're a nun. It's just you are still stubborn. You are stubborn. When does stubbornness just need to end? I had a great conversation with my 14-year-old. Brady Bean is mowing the church lawn. Everything you see around here that's mowed, I did it. You'll get that joke. Yeah, yeah. Brady Bean is mowing the lawn and 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 it's, he's slow, but he's worth waiting on. Does that make sense? 
Brady does a fantastic job. Let me tell you how Brady Bean mows. If you ever drive by and see him on the motor, mower, you need to slow down and roll your window down. Nine times out of ten, he's got some kind of jams going on in his earphone, and he's singing on the zero-turn motor. It's the funniest thing. Clay and I have sat outside and laughed at him. It's, it's so funny. I even got a couple recordings. It's great. My son is a fantastic mower. My son does a good job. Sometimes the edger gives him trouble. Sometimes he's just a little too small to handle the big edger. But he does a great job. But getting him out there is one of the hardest things in the world. He's mowed for about a year now. And in mowing, he has fun. He does a great job for a 14-year-old. And he gets paid to do it. And as good as those three things are, actually getting him to do it is a war. Is there any parent in the room that knows exactly what I'm talking about? I have actually taken the video camera, and he's just sour. He's taking his sucker and throwing it in the dirt, and he's mad. I'm, I'm videotaping him. Because I love showing him the way that he's acting after he's all done. Okay, okay good, that's good, son. Yeah, yeah. Throw your underwear. That's great, yeah. Slam the door. Oh, yeah, I'm following you. I'm following you. I'm following you. And he's mad, and he's mad, and he's mad, and he's mad. And finally he gets on the mower. Am I preaching to any of the parents in the room? And he finally gets on the mower, and he puts his earphones on, and he mashes play, and all of a sudden, the bean inning kicks in. I'm like, I know that kid. That's me when I was little, and he starts mowing. And he doesn't stop. And he mows and he mows. He only stops if he runs out of gas. And I pull him aside. And I pull my phone out, which he's forgot about by now. And I mash play. And we watch this stubborn, hard-headed, frustrating 14-year-old five minutes before he completely forgets how bad this is. A lot of times in our life, especially if you've ever struggled with your relationship with Jesus, it's not the issues you think it is. It's not the stuff you think is the stuff. It's not the sin that you think is the sin or the mistakes that you think is the mistakes or the choices that you think or the unforgiveness or the what-ifs and how-comes and I have sinned. and It's not all those things. It's just simply going back to something I said last week. One of the biggest, biggest barriers to belief in God exists, only exists, when we sit back and we think, I don't need God. When the fact is, is that for every one of us, we need God. One of the biggest barriers that exists and thinking that, that we can't have a belief in God is the moment we stop and we realize my biggest issue is I don't want to need God, but I need Him so bad. Let me relieve some burdens in this room. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. This series is not trying to get you saved. What I love, what I love for you to say, Pastor Ty, I need Jesus. I would love that. But I made you a promise a couple weeks ago. We are just having a conversation. 
Can I tell you the day that I truly accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior? I was at West Texas A&M University, Jones Hall, fourth floor, where I was by myself and just simply turned to my father and said, I need you. And it changed my life forever. For everybody in this room that you think, well, wait, 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 I got to get my life cleaned up first. No, you don't. You can't. You can't change your heart. That's, that's what God's Spirit does. So don't you worry about who you are, what you are, what's going on. You just chill for a minute and realize how much God loves you and what a good, good father he is. And one of the, great, the greatest prayer I can think of you praying is, God, I need you. Don't you dare try to get cleaned up to come home. Just come home. But also this. Maybe you had that come home experience and you know there's a God and you talk to him and you love him and he loves you. But it's still that one thing that you just keep tripping up on and keep tripping up on. The worst thing you could do right now is become a Christian atheist. You know what a Christian atheist is? It's somebody who believes in God, but I don't necessarily believe everything about God. And I just kind of like it, my life, how I live it, what I do. What? If he really is God and he's a good, good father, don't you think, don't you think he's got a good, good plan? that he wants to show you your thoughts your dreams can never be bigger than God's thoughts and the dreams that he dreams for you the purpose, the plan the things he wants for you now, now that we've stepped away from atheism don't become a Christian atheist if we're going to know the Lord in spirit and in truth We've got to allow His Spirit to change our hearts, to touch us, to speak to us, to be open to talking to His children. But then truth. Truth is going to come. And we have to embrace it. Why? Because He's a good, good Father. Next week, Tommy Barnett's going to be here. And the week after that, we're going to take everything that we've talked about in the last three weeks, and we're going to dive into one of my favorite books. A book of struggle, a book of skepticism, a book of none, meaning they drifted away from their relationship with God, and yet God came, and with some of the first words in this book, God turns and says, do you know how much I love you? And the people turned to God and said, no, when did you ever love us? That was the first chapter of the book of Malachi. For the next several weeks after Pastor Barnett, we're going to go deeper into Scripture to see how we walk away from a Christian atheist standpoint into a full-fledged faith in our Father in Heaven. I thought it how appropriate today. We all stand to our feet. And during this song, song a song that I think is so appropriate for where we're at, maybe you need to have a conversation not because you're in church and not because the pastor told you to but to go back and talk to your father 
say, Father, I need you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this. But God demonstrated. Everybody say demonstrated. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My goal today is not to change you. However you walked in, it doesn't bother me that you walk out the very same way. Change doesn't bother me because that's God's job. The only thing I want you to know about today is that if your issue of following God is because faith is inconvenient for you, I would turn and say, forget change. Go back. And I love what it says. It says, and he draws me deeper still. 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 He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. And I am loved by you. Go deep with your relationship with Jesus. That's something you know in your spirit is so important. For God, what is he like? He is spirit. And we will worship him in spirit and in truth time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits on our life. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. God bless you guys. and Have a great week in the Lord. See you later.